Welcome to Conflicted, the podcast exploring the tension Christian entrepreneurs face trying to pursue success in business and sacrifice in service to Christ. I'm your host, Sean Tombagahan, and I'm glad to be with you on this journey. So today we're going to be talking about identity. So basically, who are you? Not what do you do, but who are you? Uh, You take away ministry, you take away your vocation, you strip everything away, what is left? And that's basically what your identity is. And uh, when I was teaching on the subject uh, in our local church, I teach the midweek service, and the topic of identity was assigned to me, and I was studying all the Bible has to say about this, and I was really blown away by how much the Bible talks about this and, and actually really how critical this was to the Christian walk. And I think this is really critical uh, for us as Christian entrepreneurs because I think as Christian entrepreneurs, we could fall into one of two pitfalls when it comes to the idea of identity. Before I talk about the pitfalls, the reason why this is so important is because we're living in a lost world and the world is trying to tell us how to find our identity. I I did a YouTube search on find your identity and you know the top searches are not from Christians, it's from people in the world talking about reclaiming your identity or how to find the true you or how to be true to who you are. And essentially all of them are basically guiding people to create their own identities, to self-appoint uh, to to uh, figure out what you like and just lean into who you believe you were created to be. And by created to be, it's like, you know, just whatever your desires are. They don't really consult the scriptures. And, and for obviously, you know, they're not Christians. And so we wouldn't expect them to. Um, but I think, you know, we, we talked last week or in the last episode about happiness. I believe that everybody has the innate desire to be happy. Well, I also believe that everybody has the innate desire to know who they are, uh, what significance they have to bring to the world, what place they have in creation, what meaning we can bring. Who are we? Everybody wants to know that. But just as in the same way that as sinful fallen humans, we are very bad at predicting what we believe will bring us happiness and ultimate fulfillment. I also believe that as sinful human beings, we're very bad at trying to find or identify or create our own identity. We have to go to a fixed objective standard to be able to draw out who we are. We don't have to create it ourselves. And for me, that's good news. I don't have to to guess at this thing. Um, I could look at the scriptures and see who God has created me to be. And I was talking about Two pitfalls that I think Christian entrepreneurs could fall in. One is um, the Christian entrepreneur who finds their primary identity in their work. And so, you know, we identify as entrepreneurs and that's who I am. And like everything we do is all towards this. And we, we justify it by saying, you know, our work is our ministry and I'm just shining a light where I am. And there's an aspect of truth to this part of your identity. But if your primary identity is found in your vocation, then I feel like we miss the part of how that's being... Uh, subdued under the lordship of Christ. We have to have a first and and primary identity. Uh, The second pitfall, and again, I'm not knocking the idea that entrepreneurs, like that's a part of your identity, but if we find our primary identity in that. The, the, The second pitfall is not that we find our primary identity in our work. It's for the Christian who divorces their identity 
uh, as a, an entrepreneur or their vocation, whatever that is, they divorce that from their Christian identity. So it's like, no, our primary identity is in Christ. This is, this is particularly a struggle for those of us who are called to bivocational ministry, meaning we're, we're called to lead in the church in, in a leadership sense, but also have a day job or a business. And then the, it, for, for those people, it, we could find a frustration in the day-to-day, what we would call the mundane, uh, you know, all the tasks that we have to do. And we basically can't get, you can't wait till we just clock in, clock out, do our work so that we could do the real stuff over here. And the, and the church stuff is the real stuff. And it's like, no, 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 like God has made you complex in your makeup. Like the, all of these things are part of what shapes your identity. And when we divorce our work from our church work, then we find our primary identity in our ministry. Well, then you strip away your ministry, what's left? Then you don't know who you are. And so again, we have to have our our primary identity, and I'll be using that term, uh, and some people may or may not like that, but I do believe we have a primary identity, which is in Christ. And then we have our secondary identities, which is multifaceted, all the different things that make us who we are uh, and shape us um, in, into the individuals we are, but we uh, submit all of those unto Christ. And that's the beautiful part about what God uh, does in this. And so in, I'll be looking at some of my notes if I look away from the cameras because I'm looking at some of my notes from that teaching. Uh, I started off the teaching by talking about the significance of a name. You know, we looked at some of the biblical accounts of God changing people's names. You know, Abram, uh, turned to Abraham, Sarai turned to Sarah, uh, God renames uh, Jacob into Israel, or Jesus renames Simon into Peter. And there, there's a, a biblical concept of naming, right? Adam names all of the animals, right? What, what, he says, fill the earth, subdue it. And that's the first command that's been given to man. And part of that subduing was naming the animals. And so the significance of naming in the Bible means that there's a sense of authority, meaning the one who's giving the name has authority over the thing that is being named. Uh, and also identity. There's a sense of I'm identifying what you are. And uh, so, so naming a thing assumes authority and identity. The person giving the name has authority and gives the identity to the thing that's being named. Well, Genesis 5.2 says, God created them male and female. He created them and he blessed them and he named them man. He named them, or the Hebrew, Adam or Adam. So God's first thing in creation is he names humans. And the reason why that's important is because we have to start with the foundational truth that our identity is given. It is not self-created. So when the world is telling us that we have to lean into your identity, find out what you're really good at, what you love to do, find out what truly makes you you, and you just kind of bring that out from yourself, it's like, no, 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 no. That's not how we find our identity. Our identity has been given to us. So it's not necessarily a matter of uh, figuring out what our identity is. It's a matter of coming to grips with the identity that has been bestowed upon us by the, uh, the authority that has given it to us, which is God. Um, and the other point is that our, our identity is multifaceted. So we, there's, it's really rare that you'll find a, it's not rare. It's just, I think it's impossible to find a human being. That's just one particular thing. We are complex in nature. And so my, my teaching primarily focused on the fact that 
uh, what, the way I see it through scripture, um, the way I understand is that we have to f- find our identity in at least three main categories. One is uh, our identity as humans, our identity as Christians, and our identity as individuals. And the, the thing is, a lot of people, they're trying to find out who they are as an individual, but they don't have an understanding of who God has created them to be as a human or who God has created them to be in Christ. So we run into problems when I want to find out who I am as an individual, but that's divorced for, or I'm not even consulting the scriptures for uh, how God has named me to be a human. What 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 implications does that have my identity as a human or my identity as being hidden in Christ? And so when I talked about our identity as, as being human, you know, I'm not talking about just, oh, you need to be a good human. Yes, you need to be a good human. What I mean, though, is that you are not an animal. You're not a fish. You're not a bird. You're not a leopard. You're not a, an angel. You're not a heavenly creature. You're not a cherubim or a seraphim. You are a very particular type of creation called a human being. God creates the heavens and the earth. Apparently, he created angelic and heavenly beings before he created humans because it says that the that the uh, heavenly host looked upon creation as God was making man in marvel. And, and so the angelic realm was looking as he's fashioning man from the dust. And he breathes his life into man and he names them humans. And, and it's like, what is this? creature that God is creating. And he says, of all of the created world or all the created things that God would have made, this particular creation is being made in my image and in my likeness. That's huge. So as human beings, you as a human, you first and foremost are created as an image bearer of God. So that means that you have intrinsic dignity, you have intrinsic value, you have intrinsic worth, but you also have creative capacity and and a commission, uh, a job to do, right? So what does he say? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. We call this the uh, the dominion mandate. You're created by by virtue of being in God's image. You are created with the dominion mandate. Take authority over the earth. And and basically, what that means is to uh, the, I, I call it the cultural mandate. Um, uh, I got that from Andy Crouch, uh, and it's um, taking all the raw material and the potential of the world and to create things to bring glory to God. Right? God, God doesn't create houses, but he creates the potential for homes. Animals don't whittle down wood sticks to put holes in them, hollow them out, put holes in it to make wind instruments that make beautiful music and compositions. Uh, humans do that. That's taking the raw material of the world, the creative potential, and making things to bring glory to God. We do this with clothing and with food, and and it's just culture. We're creating culture. We're taking God's potential, all the created potential, and um, and we're making things. And and so again, going back to that pitfall of like, oh, this is my my work over here, and here's my my true spiritual act of worship, which is like doing church work. It's like, no, no, no. Adam was created and put in the garden to work, right? So so part of his identity assumed he was going to be doing some stuff. He was going to be putting in work, and he was also put in the garden to enjoy, right? Eat from any of the tree in the garden. 
And so you're, you're created to work and to enjoy, to take the raw materials and the potential of this created world and to make something out of it to bring glory to God. That was before the fall. Okay, so your identity as a human is is critical to finding your identity as an individual. You have to first start there. And we know the story, right? In Genesis chapter 3, serpent comes, deceives the woman. She eats. She gives some to her husband who is with her, and he ate. And they they, uh, traded the likeness of God for a sinful human nature. So now we are corrupted. We're, We're separated from the God who gave us our identity, And so, in a sense, we lost who we were. We lost who we were created to be. We are no longer the dominion takers over the world, right? Because we've given that authority up over to Satan, right? When, when Satan's tempting Christ in the, in, uh, the wilderness, he, says, he takes him to, all the, to the high place and he, he shows him all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. And he says, look at all these. I'll give them to you as they've been given to me. And Jesus doesn't say, no, they haven't been given to you. He says, well, no, it says in the word to worship the Lord God only. And, uh, and so who gave Satan that authority? Well, man did. It was given to man, and man forfeited that, and we traded our likeness for a sinful human nature. Now we have a, a shattered image of, of God, so we still retain a semblance of the image of God, but it's broken. And because of that, our identities of, as humans, we're not living up to our full potential. We're lost, which is why we need to be redeemed, and which is why Christ came And he lived the perfect human life, fully God, yet fully man. And he claimed true human identity. So God wrapped himself in flesh as the son of God. And he he lived out perfect human identity. And when we put our faith in him, he gives us a new nature. and, And now in order to be reclaimed as our identity as true humans, we have to be hidden in Christ. Right, so when we're in Christ, just read Ephesians 1, 1 through 14, and, and, talk, and just highlight every time it says, in him, in Christ, right? and all the implications that that has. And so uh, as a human, you're created in God's image, which has implications. But as a believer, as a Christian now, we have been reclaimed, and there's, there's implications of that as well. So we are children of God. Uh, it says that we are the saved, we are the redeemed, uh, we are ambassadors, as if God were making his appeal through us. Uh, we are slaves, you know, the word is doulos, you know, it's translated bondservant in uh, many translations, but the word is slave. So we're slaves of Christ, we're children of Christ, we're saved, we're uh, ambassadors, we're God's workmanship created in Christ for good works. So there's very particular good works that you're created to do, and that's part of your identity. And we're a royal priesthood. And, you know, that's just part of our identity. So look at the scriptures and say, like, in Christ, who am I? And the reason why I, I spent so much time on that is because, again, a lot the world is telling us to claim our identity for ourselves at the expense of what the scriptures has already defined for us, what our identity as humans should be, and how reclaimed, redeemed believers in Christ. So first, our identity is as a human. Second, our identity is as a Christian, as being hidden in Christ. But then there's the aspect of, okay, well, I am in Christ. I know my my identity as a human, what I'm created to do. Now, once you have that foundation, then we can start to ask the question, well, who am I as an individual? Right? So I want to answer that question. And that's the question that we all want answered, right? Intrinsically, we all want to know 
who we are, what worth we have, what value we have to bring in. All of you, all of us have something to, to bring glory to God individually in a way that's unique from anybody else. And that plays itself out in a billion different ways. You know, seven billion people, seven billion different ways that this, your individual identity can be played out. But it has to first and foremost be submitted under your identity as a human, as defined by God, and as your identity is hidden in Christ. And so I put here uh, as a note that the world errs in trying to discover their personal identity but ignoring what God has declared their identity to be as humans and as needing to be in Christ. And, and what that leads is to sinful expressions of personal identity. So a lot of people say that, well, the, I have found my identity, and they have a, a sense of peace or happiness about that. They've claimed their own identity, but that's, it's a sinful expression of personal identity that will never lead to, uh, to, to complete total fulfillment and eternal fulfillment. Um, but the church, we can err on focusing only on our identity as Christians, as being hidden in Christ, but we ignore all the diverse ways that Christ has chosen to play out that identity or the, the, the way that Christ has chosen for us to express that, right? So again, we, we separate our identities as Christians from all these other things that are equally as important. And so uh, I brought out a couple scriptures here. First one is Genesis 2, 15 through 17. It says, The Lord took man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work and to watch over it. And the Lord God commanded them, You're free to eat from any tree, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For on that day you're going to eat from it, you'll, you'll certainly die. So, so basically, as if, if we were to fully walk in our identity as humans, as being in Christ, do as you like. You're free. Eat from any of the tree. You know, and that, that's, you know, we, we can't separate what we like from who God has made us to be because God has made us with desires and we have to check those desires. And so, yes, we have to check, are those desires sinful or fleshly? Or is that just something God has birthed inside of me? Right? So we as Christians, we believe that everything we do is supposed to be an act of worship and an expression of our identity as God's image bearers. And there's this quote from uh, Tozer that I want to read. Um, A.W. Tozer, it, it, this really, really helped me um, when I was reading, I think it was uh, The Pursuit of God. And he says, One of the greatest hindrances to internal peace, which the Christian encounters, is the common habit of dividing our lives into two areas, the sacred and the secular. As these areas are conceived to exist apart from each other and to be morally and spiritually incompatible, and as we're compelled by the necessities of living to always be crossing back and forth from one to the other, our inner lives tend to break up so that we live a divided life instead of a unified life. Our trouble springs from the fact that we who follow Christ inhabit at once two worlds. We inhabit the spiritual and the natural world. As children of Adam, we live our lives on earth subject to the limitations of the flesh and the weaknesses and ills to which human nature is heir. Merely to live among men requires of us years of hard work and much care and attention to the things of this world. In sharp contrast to this is our life in the spirit. There we enjoy another and higher kind of life. We're children of God. We possess heavenly status and we enjoy intimate fellowship with Christ. Now, because we live in those two worlds, this tends to divide our total life into two departments. 
we come unconsciously to recognize two sets of actions. The first are performed with a feeling of satisfaction and firm assurance that they're pleasing to God. These are the sacred acts, and they're usually thought of to be prayer and Bible reading and hymn singing, church attendance, and other such acts that spring directly from faith. They may be known by the fact that they have no direction, a direct relation to this world, and they would have no meaning whatsoever except as faith should show us another world. Now, those are the sacred acts, right? And he says, over against these sacred acts are the secular ones. They include all of the ordinary activities of life, which we share with the sons and daughters of men, uh, of Adam, eating, sleeping, working, looking after the needs of the body, performing our dull and prosaic duties here on earth. These we often do reluctantly and with many misgivings, often apologizing to God for what we consider to be a waste of time and strength. The upshot of this is that we're uneasy most of the time and we go about our common tasks with a feeling of deep frustration, telling ourselves pensively that there's a better day coming when we shall slough off this earthly shell and be bothered no more with the affairs of this world. This is the old sacred-secular antithesis, or some people have called it the sacred-secular divide. Most Christians are caught up in its trap. They can't get a satisfactory adjustment between the claims of the two worlds. They try to walk the tightrope between two kingdoms and they find no peace in either. So you're not happy with your sacred stuff or your secular stuff. Why? Because that's not how God has created us to be. He hasn't created us to separate secular, quote-unquote secular things from sacred things. Everything is to be enjoyed as a sacred act of worship to God. And so my point was, I believe that we have primary and secondary identities. Our primary identities as human and as being in Christ, and then our secondary identities is how that expresses itself in the various contexts which God finds us in or, or where we find ourselves in that God has placed us in. Um, you know, I talk about John the Baptist. You know, he wasn't known as John, the son of a priest, even though he was that and that was part of his identity. He had a primary identity, which was John the Baptist. You know, Paul, the apostle Paul was apostle Paul. He wasn't tent maker Paul. Even though he was a tent maker, and a lot of people probably knew him as that. It was the Apostle Paul. He had a primary and secondary identity. Um, but when I say secondary, I, I almost like hesitantly use that word because I don't want it to sound like unimportant. Um, by secondary, that does not mean it's unimportant. Uh, Tozer, he, he finishes the thought and he says, Paul's sewing of tents was not equal in his writing of an epistle to the Romans, but both were accepted of God and both were true acts of worship. Certainly it's more important to lead a soul to Christ than to plant a garden, but the planting of the garden can be just as holy an act as winning a soul. And so, yeah, with that, you know, a lot of things shape how we identify ourselves, you know, some for the better, some for the worse, some things we, uh, we hate that have shaped our identity, you know, parts of our upbringing, um, our past experiences, our culture, our family, uh, my ethnic background, my socioeconomic status, my friends, my relationships, all of these things, you know, whether good, bad, or indifferent, these are things that have shaped our identity. And, and when, one of the things about things that shape our identity, one, uh, there's an aspect of something that is uh, that we impose upon ourselves, right? Um, our own thoughts and, and memories and things like that. We are not those things, but those things do shape us. Um, but identity is also something that can be imposed upon us from the outside, right? People make snap judgments about us, especially in a world of social media where people are trying to be influencers and all this type of stuff. You 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 start to put on this 
um, this personal brand or this facade of who you're supposed to be. And then people start to respond to that. You build an audience and now you find your identity in these things. It's like, okay, well, you're, you're drawing out people's imposed idea of who you're supposed to be. And like, no, okay, we, we have some of these things that shape our identity, but we have to submit all of that to Christ. And so it's important for us to, to understand that. Um, so then the question is, okay, well, you know, Ephesians 2.10 says that you are God's workmanship. Uh, you're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared for you in advance beforehand, right? So that before you were even born, Christ had very specific good works for you to do. So the question is like, what do you do? How do you find that? And so got a couple points of um, application here. So assuming that you understand your identity as being a human made in God's image and as being a redeemed human hidden in Christ, uh, how do you find your individual identity? Uh, Psalm 37, four says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So delight yourself in God and he's going to put his desires into your heart to where the, your desires will be his desires. And so you got to ask yourself, what do you love doing? What, what do you feel that God has placed in your heart that you just, I love doing this. I think of my business in, in Butler Branding. Um, I love what I do. I love my job. I don't think of it as like, okay, I got to put in my hours. I got to do my thing. Like, I really honestly love what I do and I do it unto the glory of God. I'm good at what I do. So not only do I love what I do, but I believe I'm good at it, right? First Peter 4.10 says, based on the gift each one has received, use it to serve others as good managers of the varied grace of God. So not only what do you love to do, but what are you good at doing, right? I love to sing, I'm no good at singing. So that's probably a good indicator. That's not who I am as, you know, as part of my identity. Uh, so what do you love doing? What are you good at doing? Um, and then in Acts 6, 1 through 6, the selecting of the first deacons, they said, we need uh, seven men full of the Holy Spirit and of good standing and reputation among the people. And so they appointed uh, the first deacons by affirming what other people have already saw in them. And so what do you love doing? What are you good at doing? What has been affirmed by other people? So like, I love this thing. I believe I'm good at it. And other people are also affirming or seeing this gifting in me. These are good indicators to figure out some of the things that you uh, maybe are called to do and and how you might find your individual personal identity. Uh, Ephesians 4.12 says, that uh, Christ ascended and, and he gave gifts to men. He gave some to be apostles and prophets, some to be evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints to do their works of ministry. And so I take that to believe that um, there are elders in the church, uh, leadership in the church, that their primary function, and this is like my function at my church, is as an elder, I am supposed to equip the saints for their work of ministry. So if there's people in my congregation that um, they, they don't really know their way, like, well, let's meet and let's talk about it. Let's try to draw out those giftings and, and, and uh, help you utilize those and exercise those giftings. So if you don't really know, um, seek the help from your local church. It's one of the blessings of being part of a local church is you could seek the council of elders who can help guide you towards those good works that you're called to do. So what do you love doing? What are you good at doing? What's been affirmed by others? Seek the guidance of um, trusted elders. And then, you know, Philippians 127 says, whatever you do in all your conduct, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy 
of the gospel. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do, whether it's in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians 3.23-24 says, Whatever you do. So however you choose to find uh, your individual calling and how that plays out, I've given some practical tips, right? What do you love doing? Uh, what are you good at doing? What has been affirmed by others? Uh, seek the counsel of trusted leaders. Um, but also, it doesn't, it like at the end of the day, and I don't want to say it doesn't matter what you do, but whatever you do, it says, do it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So I have to remind myself of that because I can go back to that sacred secular divide to where, okay, well, like I get so excited. I love what I do with branding. I love what I do with marketing and design and, and, and being able to take complex ideas and make them simple for clients. I, I love to do that kind of stuff. Um, and then sometimes I could feel guilty almost like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm neglecting my church work. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is an active service. I'm taking the raw material and potential, the creative potential of this world, and I'm making something of benefit, and I'm doing this to glorify God and to bring honor to Him. And so I have to remind myself that it is the Lord Christ that I'm serving, not just men. Um, so the, the last point I have here is um, how do we find affirmation in our identity? Like, how do you know that what you're doing is good? It has to come from outside of ourselves, first of all, right? We can't just give ourselves pats on the back. It has to come from outside of ourselves, but it also has to be from someone we esteem, right? It, it, it's, uh, I, I'm leading to, like, it has to come from God, first and foremost, because there's something about getting affirmation from someone who you don't really look up to, but then if someone you do look up to gives you that affirmation, it just means so much more. But even with those people, how do we know that they're never gonna let us down or they, they fall short of, our um our imposed identity that we've given to them and and then you know that our identity is then lost it's like no, no it has to come from god because we esteem him uh, and he's unchanging he'll never let us down and so we have to look to god for the affirmation of our identity nobody i don't think can just tell you this is who you are and put you in a box that's a an externally imposed identity um, but also you don't want to have it just come from yourself. You have to find your affirmation from God. So final question to ponder. Go back to the first question I asked. Who are you? How do you define yourself? How do you believe God is defining you as an individual? And and how does your business or your work or whatever you do for a living, how does that relate to your identity? Love to hear from you guys. Thanks for sticking around. If you liked this episode, please do me a favor and subscribe, share the podcast with others, and write a review. It only takes a second, and it helps get the word out to more people. Also, if you want to support the podcast financially, please visit my Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Tamba. That's patreon.com forward slash S-E-A-N-T-A-M-B-A. Any amount definitely helps. You can also see the link in the show notes. That's it for today, folks. Thank you, and God bless.